Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 767, recording today on the 16th of August 2023. Uh, so this is a podcast to do with uh, all things music technology, uh, synthesizers, drum machines, software, philosophical approaches to the creation and performance of music, as well as all the other kind of technical aspects to it. As it's summer, uh, often things get a little bit quiet, but actually we've got a decent number of topics. Uh, for those of you who want to know as well, I've, uh, I've got new cast i went for purple this is now the permanent cast got another four weeks to go but it does mean i can still i could just about review i'm actually working on the uh unisith pro x uh review which will be up uh well i'm not sure exactly when but uh, it will be and i'll be putting all those uh patches that i make on there because it is a very patch uh um friendly synthesizer i'll be putting them on our patreon which means i can give you a little bit of a well that's an intro for this ad basically i would also like to point out that uh we're really relaunching our newsletter um so if you're interested in getting in touch um there's places to sign up all over the site we're going to be doing it once a week it's all the usual disclaimers you know we're not going to sell your email addresses or anything but if you want a little summary of what's going on and i would do this thing called vintage vault which is we pick a video from the from the old days and uh, re, re you know represent it and also um some listening tips, some interesting music you might find interesting. I uh, just want to say thanks to everybody in the chat. Uh, of course, Wagyu for his uh, moderating and uh, some of the uh, coding that goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, this chat includes uh, the YouTubers, the IRCers, the Twitchers, and the Discorders. So uh, you can all come together. Nice to see some familiar names and faces in there. Steve Elbows is there. In fact, Steve Elbows uh, will be featuring in a kind of roundabout way in our upcoming EMOM, which is going to be, in fact, if I do that, maybe what happens if I press this button? It might be that uh, the EMOM will show up. Maybe it won't. No, it's probably, I knew I'd never get it right. Maybe that's it. Emon dates. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so if you want to join us uh, on tickets, we could be doing a live stream. But uh, in between, we've got the visual artist. We're going to do slideshows of this really cool uh, mid-journey art that he's been making on the bot that we've got on the Discord, which I should also plug. God, I'm doing a lot of plugging, aren't I? It's because I've forgotten for such a long time. Uh, oh. So if you want to join us on Discord and maybe try that out and see some of the stuff that he's been doing, Sonic Discord, bit.ly slash Sonic Discord for that. So anyway, uh, that's a whole bunch of the housekeeping things out of the way. Oh, yeah. Here's the page for all of that stuff. Um, I think it's this one, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. Sonic State Live 7 Music Acts. Uh, let's get into some introductions of people. I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Robbie Puricelli over here, uh, who's uh, failed Muso. Of course, uh, he sits in front of the large S of his uh, DX1, which he still hasn't put any coffee cups on, I'm pleased to say. And I don't know, is it working? How is it, how is it working? Fail Muso, I should say, before I introduce yeah. you, Fail Muso, writes for Sound on Sound, uh, does the ProSynth Network, also gear news. I mean, a man about town. Most definitely. Yes, I, I get about it, don't I? Um, yeah, the DS, it, it, it does work. It's a little temperamental in the power supply department, but um, hopefully I'm going to get that fixed. I'm going to go and see Kent next week and just get a little part from him, which should um, eliminate all issues. But I, uh, I, I took it to a show of couple of months ago and it worked immaculately and then I got it home and it said mm -mm, no you've had the best out of me for a few weeks um but oh. uh, yeah it's just a minor thing but uh, yes I imagine uh, it, do, imagine it generates quite a lot of heat as well doesn't it it does yeah it does and it, it was quite it's been quite noticeable the last week or so when I've like been putting it on and testing it and just leaving it on for a while especially with this heat and I get the sun coming in the window in the afternoon Ouch. it really does yeah it does kind of warm up um so it gets a bit uh bit betty in here but hey um you know the things we do for our vintage synthesizers yeah, well, 
Yeah. People would do all sorts of things for a DX1, I'm sure. Uh, we've also got Mr. Uh, well, we've also got Mick, uh, Paulie Bow, uh, who's Mooks. Yeah, I could mix Mick Mooks. Mooks. Is it Mooks? I always, it's my habit of introducing everybody as Mr., which is That's my fine. mistake because, because we generally don't have uh, all that many uh, women. You should get some girls on like here, maybe. We, I definitely <laughs> want to try that. And I do try. And if anyone is up for coming on, do get in touch privately. I really, really uh, appreciate it. How are you, Paulie? I, um, well, firstly, I'm going to say things have been absolutely chaotic, the life of modern parenthood, you know, um, mm. and my full-time job in mental health and then, but, you know, things are actually going kind of quite well, uh, kind of professionally, you know, I'm doing bits of videos here and there, and uh, this just turned up today. Oh, yes, you're um, looking at that, aren't you? Yes. I'm looking at that. So there's going to be a Sonic State video soon. Sorry for anyone who can't see it properly. This is Roland's new Zencore guitar synthesizer, the mm. GM800. So I'm going to be doing a review on that. I'm going to put it down very carefully. Um, it's still very shiny. Yeah, it's very shiny. It matches my hair as well. I love it. So the um, the thing about it is they've got a new pickup. Uh, which doesn't ah. use the 13-pin cable. It just goes through what looks like a normal jack cable. So that's going to be interesting. And I'm planning a little jam at the start of the review with a, um, with Gaz on bass. He's going to play Ooh, a nice. few bass licks. So Excellent. it's going to be that really good. Great. So so I'm just trying to, you know, um, offset that parental anxiety and stress with some creative outlet, essentially. Well, you know, that wise, wise choice. Music. Excellent. Well, that's a really good idea. Um, and lovely to have you. Thank you very much for joining <coughs> us. And look who it is. It's only Rich Hilton. We haven't seen Rich for ages. Rich is fresh back off the road. You're looking very well, Rich, and, and like you've caught a bit of sun and sort of been out in the outdoors. But you've been you've been playing gigs like crazy. I mean, all over the place. I was joking before the show, before you before you speak, uh, that I can't imagine what it must be like playing sheet gigs because that's what you'd be doing. So you've spent all of this time basically playing happy music that makes people happy to thousands and thousands of people. I can't imagine how you'd ever be in a bad mood as a result of that because you must just be in a, a state of permanent euphoria. You try to stay in a state of permanent euphoria <laughs> as best you can. Um, and mostly we succeed. Um, it is a great blessing to get to share happy music that people love with people who love it and uh, see them and feel them responding to that as it's going on. It's really very, it's extraordinarily satisfying and uh, a lot of fun. And I'm so proud this has of the been band. Quite an this has been an intense period. You've done a lot of gigs recently, haven't you? I mean, I've, you seem to have yeah. been on the road for a long time, right? Pretty much three months so far. Um, with a one week break at the end of uh, sort of near the end of June that we had. But um, it went pretty much from mid-May until towards the end of June. And then it went from the beginning of July right through the middle of August. And now we're leaving again on Monday to do six weeks in the U.S. with Duran Duran. And then uh, we'll be home for a couple of weeks. And then we'll go to Australia and New Zealand and uh, headline wow. some chic gigs. So uh, it's been nice, a very nice, productive nice. year in that way. And yeah, we've played a lot of gigs and done a lot of traveling. Yeah. 
it sounds really and also i've noticed there's a few photos of you playing guitar i thought it was just sound check yeah. stuff but then 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 i've noticed this sort of almost like back-to-back -back status quo action with uh, with niall for a couple of numbers is that is that what's happening there <laughs> for one song in particular oh, uh, cool. we've added lose yourself to dance to the show and the song has a bunch of guitar parts in the original version and so he uh had me join him playing one of his guitar parts um for the performances and it's a lot of fun it's a real Excellent. it's really fun Excellent. So lots of uh, lots of great memories you made. Uh, thanks to uh, Pete, Peter James Stephen for the uh, super chat. Very much appreciated there. I keep forgetting to press these, but they they're, they're back. So thank you if you if you have. And apologies if I haven't mentioned anything in the last couple of episodes. I think it's because there's been just so much technical stuff. I feel like I'm getting on top of it again. What obviously what you need in your life is be one arm down, move the mouse to your other <laughs> hand, and then suddenly everything seems to come together. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> anyway, um, so let me see. Uh, I did plug the uh, the uh, our uh, Sonic Emom, didn't I? Which is September the eighth. There will be a live stream for that and also we've got all the acts confirmed we've got uh battery operated orchestra worth the price of admission alone uh sure. finley shakespeare ditto for <laughs> worth the price of admission uh, a great act called Mo uh, barbers green monojack who if you remember um bleep bloop or beep boop electronics the guy did these really bonkers tape modules who's from bristol he's going to do a set as well liam 182 jim glue who we know uh as playing a number of uh, a number of imams up north he's going to come down and a guy called invisible acid in fact uh, while i'm there uh, i see geosense is in the uh chat and i'd like to plug he's got an imam coming i think it's this friday isn't it i think it's we the 16th so do check his out as well because we're as we get into um gig season again there'll be uh, some of those coming up even though they're not quite the stadium sort of capacity that uh, you and i wouldn't it be fun to do a, an emon in a stadium rich i can't imagine it'd be a hell of a, not I mean, nightmare for the crew but you know it'd be good fun <laughs> could be yes, I, could be i just i'm not sure the mass market is ready for that just yet anyway um let's get on to some topics because we do have some things to talk about uh let me see i've got this first one here now this is this is uh, from a video on tiktok which i downloaded i think it's gonna work so let's see if it works wallpaper that absorbs sound wouldn't that be something the problem is that current sound absorbers are way too thick to make that an option but evolution has found a way that brings this technology within reach. So over the last 60 million years, moths have evolved under the predation pressure by bats, and they have evolved this secret weapon. These are scales that cover their wings, a scaled version of 10,000 times. When sound hits them, they start to vibrate, and that absorbs one frequency of sound. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there because he's a bit stretched because the TikTok, it, it's sort of <laughs> trying to fit it into the frame. But this is uh, basically uh, Professor Mark Holderoid and a team of researchers from Bristol University. Yeah, you go Bristol, just down the road, uh, have, have evolved. Yeah. Uh, they've been studying bats. So what bats do? They have this kind of ridiculously sort of tiny amount of uh, um, scales that, that absorb, they, they vibrate and absorb multi-layer, uh, multi-frequency sound. This is to protect them from bat sonar. Uh, and he's, they are developing a wallpaper, which again will be very thin and will do much the same thing with the same, so scaling it up, I suppose. It just sounds really fascinating. I mean, I know it seems like a bit of a sort of summer season silly topic, but actually something like this could make a huge difference because up to now we've had to deal with you know, large amounts of 
dumping baffles, all kinds of things. And this could really change things yeah. up. I'll come to you first, Rich. Well, a, because um, you work in studios regularly and soundproofing is a big issue. And I, in fact, on your bio, it says you're, you're a studio designer as well or on your on your uh, Facebook. So I, I'll come to you first. What do you think about this? Could be kind of pretty cool. Oh, sure it could. Um, we have to see how it sounds. We have to see how frequency specific it is or isn't if it's is it broadband does it actually diminish all frequencies equally does do you have different styles of this for different wavelengths i'm i'm curious about it i was reading about this um prior to it becoming one of our topics and i'm i'm obviously interested to see if you can basically hang a bunch of drapes and end up with an anechoic chamber which is what you know sort of the implication you know to take into the extreme is so let's yeah. see how effective it is uh this but is uh, uh, could stick a load of moths to your wall which would be or just maybe <laughs> that that could work the same way i'd imagine it's going to be a bit like those pizza electric uh, speakers which are sort of extremely flat and can uh, are good to a certain point but they're not going to be able to absorb bass frequencies very well because they're just you know the low low stuff is it's not going to stop you know the neighbors complaining about your house party will they rob or maybe they will i don't know do the neighbors complain about your house yeah. parties much i'd love to have a house party no um i i've been in, in investigating like acoustic treatments because i rent my house you see i'm not really allowed to drill anything to walls and if I stick things, it generally takes the paint off, and then I have to redecorate when I, you know, when I leave or if I leave. So something like wallpaper that it would be very unobtrusive and wouldn't look out of place at all that could absorb it. That's it would be ideal for maybe for for you know project studios, small things, you know, people like you know normal people like us, rather than you know you know a big studio. I mean, I imagine you know space really isn't an issue in that in that respect, but. Hey, go nature. I mean, nature, once again, you know, um, coming up with a solution for something um, that uh, that we could actually use. So, yeah, moth tech. Go for it. Moth tech. I like yeah, maybe what's actually going to happen is it'll only damp the high, high frequencies. I think Richard's idea about a drape rather than a wallpaper would make more sense. That would that, mm. that would seem to, to make sense. Sure. I mean, drape sound, because you know, drapes work to a degree with reflections, but they don't generally yeah. absorb much in the way of, of football band noise. I've, I've got my patent team working fe feverishly right now on that. On that. <laughs> Love it. Um, some a drape would be useful for um, for vocals, wouldn't it? Mm. You know, just drape it over you, pretend you're a ghost, woo, and then you've got this amazing <laughs> kind of <laughs> you've got this this amazing sound deadening kind of little space. Uh, anywhere because they sell those little boxes now, don't they? Yeah, which are cool, but they're still a little kind of cumbersome and stuff like that. So, yeah, just just get a, a, a drape like a little cloak and then just uh, and then that would be fantastic. Plus, it also, if you're if you're neurodiverse, it also doubles as a I want to hide from the world kind of den, mm. you know, as well as a sound deadening cape. So, there we go. Well, one. if you had, I suppose you, you could work both ways. If it was double-sided, then it would stop the sound inside going out as yeah. well as the sound yeah. outside That's going it. in. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm desperately trying to find a gag about, um, you know, the light and uh, and stuff, but I, I can't think of one at the moment. I, I'm sure someone will in the chat room. Uh, but come on, don't let me down, chatties. Let's have let's have some <laughs> synth punk. I'm sure you'll be able to come up with one. Let's have a moth-based... 
in the drum room at the farm uh, studios at Genesis's or where Genesis recorded, it had a big stone wall. But when they didn't want that reverberation, they they literally closed a massive great pair of curtains over it. So, or drapes for our American cousins. Um, so yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, well, the heavier, I mean, if you've got really heavy drapes, they'll make a big difference. I mean, and particularly that sort of level of reflection is going gonna, is gonna to work. But I also wonder, I mean, because as speakers become more uh, DSP oriented, I mean, like I've said before, I've got a pair of these IK Multimedia MTM uh, little desktop ones. And before that, I had a set of Genelecs, which are quality speakers, but in an untreated room, sound like they just sound terrible. <laughs> Whereas these sound really good, and they kind of sort of compensate for some of that stuff. I suppose you can't compensate for reflections, and they're not going to soundproof. I wonder if you could have got a, sp a speaker that was soundproofed. I suppose if it had a very tight <laughs> sort of focal point where it didn't go any further, which is essentially what they're doing in uh, large format uh, festival rigs, aren't they? You know, you don't they, they focus. The, so that you don't get so many complaints from the neighbours. The folk, the sound is very much focused just to the people that are listening, and it, you don't waste anything. I guess you must come across this all the time. I wonder if it's uh, viable to to do it in speakers, as it were. I believe it's been done in speakers um, to the extent, if I understand them correctly, the key KII three speaker performs some kind of self aware analysis from the speaker itself that identifies it in a space according to certain rules that it's measuring for and that improves its compatibility with any given room. It's almost like a self-analysis procedure. Um, Genelec, I know, allows that to happen with surround rigs and various other things. I've heard the, the product of that, and I know that there's software you can buy with microphones and stuff to try to do it in your own space, but I don't know how similar all of that really is to what we're talking about here. But mm. there are there are speakers that purport to do that. I think the key is the most, uh, the one I know of the best, and this is probably the highest end one that seems to be doing that. Well, Genelec too uh, is doing that. Yeah, I mean, as with all of these things, I mean, we've talked about this before with DSP speakers, they can sound great and they can do all sorts of stuff with time aligning and phase aligning all the speakers. But it's, it's the through latency that is an issue. If you're playing real time into them, it's fine for a mix where you're not actually performing any elements of the mix live to time. Sometimes they can introduce a latency as they figure this stuff out. And some speakers are better than others. I, I couldn't speak for the keys, uh, but I, I do know that uh, Ty did a whole bunch of tests and some he found he couldn't play. The latency were, were prohibitive for him to be able to play to whereas some were, were, were better than that. And, and you know, there's the Trinov monitoring system and all that kind of, there's, there's all sorts of ways you can do this. I, I just want to quickly say thank you. Uh, not, oh, it was Jamie. Uh, I missed it. Jamie, uh, that's Synthpunk with nothing, but thank you very much, Synthpunk. Um, I was going to say, Jamie just uh, said thanks for the plug for the, um, uh, the uh, what am I trying to say? The Emom, that's, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we Love go. Love the that's Devo hat, by the way. Yes. Love the Devo um, hat, by the way. Excellent. Um, okay, well, I, anyway, we'll, we'll crack on, um, but I think this could be interesting. I mean, I think the answer is going to be some sort of combination of modern sound technology. I mean, because I guess manufacturing these things, I mean, they look a little bit like feathers, these things, and they've all got to be different yeah. shapes and sizes so that they all, uh, they all 
sort of work on different frequencies. I think that was the gist yeah. of how the moth does it. They're all different sizes so that the sound just stops and doesn't bounce back at all across the band. So there's not even a ghosting of images, but uh, of, of sonic images. But in terms of in bat frequencies, that's a very, very... I mean, it's a wide frequency band, but it's very, very <laughs> high frequency. So it's a lot easier, I suppose. Uh, okay, right. Uh, so what are we going for next? Uh, well, we, we can't really escape... What, well, there are several elephants in the room. Uh, not um, uh, not people in our <laughs> panel, I'm suggesting, but in the sort of potential topic list. But uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, this is... this is. The, I mean, you know, Avid sold for 1.4 billion, uh, or are being sold. It hasn't gone through yet, uh, but they are um, going to be sold to uh, ST. Which I'm trying to remember what that actually stands for. I can't can't recall. And my mouse has disappeared. Where's it gone? Come back, mouse. Ah, there we go. I can scroll down a bit. Let's have a look. Uh, STG. What does STG stands for? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Symphonic Technologies Group. I think it is. Uh, they seem yeah, to. They're is, yeah. kind of a. a they're a. Um, well, it says, I mean, part of the tagline is, you know, it comes back into private ownership, but it's not strictly true because they're a VC company, so they presumably have shareholders. It's a wholly owned. They will become wholly owned, and STG will do whatever they see fit to, I guess, recoup some of that $1.4 billion, which is a, a considerable chunk of change. Mm. And as we've seen with Avid before, I mean, I made a few allusions to this. I mean, Avid's Pro Tools is, is huge and continues to be one of the kind of the, 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 the standards of the audio industry particularly in post and certainly in a lot of recording environments yeah. and media composer which used to be the bee's knees when it came to television and film production not so much i mean they've lost a no. whole bunch of that stuff they've also got sibelius as well which is again one of the few dedicated uh, so i suppose those two things are the jewels in the crown but i mean 1.4 yeah. billion is a lot to recoup i suppose what we wonder is what happens next i mean it is a bit acquisitions and mergers i know but nonetheless you know these things are going to impact a lot of musicians i'll come to you paulie there because you you seem to have a have a i mean do you use pro tools is it something that's part of your canon or are you just kind of uh, i elsewhere? all most of my university work was done on pro tools because we had a lab full of macs all running pro tools so we all like learn that kind of learned to that standard and I know that it's something that's still, you know, as you were saying, is very, very popular in certain environments. But um, as for media composer, I've followed that on and off throughout the years. You know, initially it came out in roughly 1989, was it, for the original Macintosh? Yeah, it could, it could, yeah, why, could be, could be. That's why I know my vintage computer, see. That's why it interests me, uh, this story. Um, but yeah, today the the competition is so fierce, isn't it, in that video um, production landscape. I mean, it's DaVinci Resolve. For most yeah. people I know who are doing video, it's Resolve. There is no other kind of even anything near because of the model is largely... It's free and just pay a little bit if you want extra features. You know, that, that subscription model, yeah. I think, is Not really, so really... Uh, whereas you've always, you'd always have to kind of pay quite a bit for Adobe and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Unless you were yeah. in education. So, essentially... Mm, I don't know. Essentially, I'd be interested to see if the code base for Media Composer could be you know, uh, add some crazy new features and maybe some AI stuff and things like that to make it compete again. Uh, yeah, maybe I th some I th fresh blood and fresh investment. You don't think so? 
I think they missed the boat. I think they <laughs> and they when when Avid was bought, I think they jettisoned a lot of developers. So they focused on the cash cows, you know. I mean, because the thing with production houses that you know, like most creative environments are quite conservative sure. with a small C. They don't they don't want a massive change. They don't want to have to completely change their their workflow across maybe twenty rooms or studios, or whatever. So it, they relied on that to a certain degree. I don't know what the model is for Media Composer. I mean, Pro Tools sure. the subscription they made so much money. Uh, during COVID. I mean, even though everybody was bitching about it, they really did, you know, they made a lot of cash, which has made them very attractive to, to this stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. I know, Rich, you use Pro Tools or have used Pro Tools. I remember when we first, you know, were introduced, you know, that was your modus operandi in a lot of the, 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 the work environment. Is that still the case? Or is it, are you sensing that people are moving away from that as a platform in, in Pro Studios? I don't see people necessarily moving away from it. I see people adopting other ways of working who are mm. coming into the the realm of the professional world now. So there's such turnover now and there's so much such generational turnover that I think that Pro Tools is really well entrenched. And I think a lot of people are very worried about what's going to happen with regards to development. And I do know that in the last year or two, they have done some significant development and fixed some long-standing bugs that um, have been plaguing people and really annoying people. So even while they've been bought and sold up to this point, things have continued to move forward. Now, what does that mean with STG? I don't know. But some part of me is holding on to some notion of hope that they'll sell the software side of the thing in other and maybe maybe even the whole thing but you know all of what used to be digit design which now includes live consoles and high-end um storage devices and all kinds of other interface devices like i don't know exactly where that begins and ends but at the very least i hope that somebody will be developing this software into the future because there is a giant user base out there and yeah. sure there are tons of great solutions for any kind of audio production or daw production work that anybody wants to do there's lots and lots of great solutions in which you could substantially do anything you would be doing in pro tools if you wanted to start from there um so it's not like we don't have tons and tons of full featured software options available to us in the world but i think that because it's so deeply entrenched in the professional community it'd be nice if they either develop it or sell it just sell that, yeah. you know, keep the rest yeah. of it and just sell that. Um, I wonder though, something. I mean, because it, it, that's, but that's kind of the jewel in the crown, isn't it? I suppose. And, and I guess the thing I is, don't know. I mean, just to, just to interject there, I mean, the, the point as the world moves towards uh, or, or, or much of the, the, the DSP world is going to go, how can we take advantage of this fantastic new DSP and processing on the Mac M1 Pro, it, on the, Mac, uh, the native yeah. Mac Silicon, it kind of goes against the model that Avid have always had, which is selling you the hardware to run their stuff on as well for certain yes. situations. And, and and I'm sure there are many cases where that is still the only viable option, but it, it, it's going to be a, a tough sell, I think, in, in going forward. Well, everybody seems to be moving away from that model, including UA, who based their entire enterprise on the thing to start with and now has moved very clearly, made a move to be removing their software from the hardware dependency part. As as it relates to Avid and Pro Tools, um, 
I don't know what their business model looks like over the last few years, but my impression in general came to be that their live sound console business was some of the most vibrant stuff that they had going and that mm. the Pro Tools software side of it and the hardware that supports it, first of all, it's no longer tethered to their hardware, so they have to sell hardware against their competitors. And secondly, yeah. they... Um, they uh, what was my other point? I lost. I lost my train of thought there. Um, I just well, don't. I, think, I, I just want. I don't think they want to let. I don't think. I don't want this thing to die on the vine. I don't think it really should, and I don't think it's likely to. But I just don't know what the solution's going to be. But yeah. they can't just let this thing die. I mean, they got to continue. There's such a giant user base. What I was saying is, I think th I don't know what percentage of their current business is Pro Tools and to what extent the market is sufficiently saturated with the software side of the thing that there really isn't that much money other than the subscriptions, the re, the, which is a lot of money. But <laughs> Well, that's still. a lot. You know, yeah. That's the big one. That's the big but one. But I don't know where don't that know. sits compared to console sales and the other things that they're doing. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'd imagine subscriptions is probably the biggest chunk of the trade. I don't know. I mean, recouping a 1.4 billion of investment for any any company, particularly a VC company who whose job it is is to recoup and 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 make money as quickly as possible, you would think is going to be uh, you know, you think maybe there's going to be some big changes because they're not their yeah. core is not software for creative musicians it's just data analysis and software analytics so you know very mm. different well yeah the purpose of any acquisition is either to grow your business organically by adding that company's um benefits to you know your existing company and grow that way or it's to um you know to buy and sell and make a bit of profit uh, in the process and keep the bits that you want and get rid of the bits that you don't i have heard a rumor and it is just a rumor that they are planning to spin out pro tools and, and push it out as a separate thing, um, whether that's under their own ownership or right. the ownership of uh, an investor. That's that's a rumor that's going around. I don't know whether that's just speculation or, but it would make sense as you know, as Richard was um, pointing out, uh, it would make sense if, if only to keep that going to support what is, is uh, an entrenched platform. The thing is, there are so many options these days. And Pro Tools and, and Avid as a whole, I mean, who've been hawking themselves around for a few years, have, they've fallen behind. And, and I'm hearing, you know, people saying that they've ditched Pro Tools in favor of X door, whatever it might be, because it suits them. But there's, there's just so many more options these days. And yeah. the one thing you can guarantee about being an industry standard, if, you, if your product is an industry standard, the one thing you can guarantee is in a few years' time it won't be because somebody else will come along with a much cooler, smarter idea, and you're going to have to work twice as hard to, you know, do that. So it's, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, Pro Tools is, is the industry standard. It was, maybe not so much as it used to be. Um, mm. So if they want to maintain that, that level, they're, they're going to either have to invest in it heavily or maybe, you know, cut that cord and let it, you know happen you know in its own little environment but you know it's it's a it's a name that's been around for years and love it or hate yeah. it it has been there for, for for the reason that it is good at what it does or has been anyway. i think i i think personally i mean if you consider you know most of the big studio visits that we go to you know we went to do uh, to see ua at uh, abbey road you know whatever we've been they've all got a load of Pro Tools hardware. That that kind of tracking session when you've got like you know sixty musicians or an orchestra or whatever mm. in the place, 
you're not necessarily going to be running it on a Reaper session, you know, on something which is sort of <laughs> not hasn't. Do you know what I mean? That there, there's a certain level of um, perceived uh, reliability, whether or not that's true. Yeah. I, I couldn't say yeah. because I don't really use Pro Tools, you know. But but for big recording sessions where you've got multiple interfaces, multiple tracks, you you want the hardware. You, you're not going to go well. I can I can aggregate my two USB devices and we can plug that. You know, you forget that. You want really <laughs> hardcore, reliable whatever the bus is that they use these days, you know, they, you want all of that stuff, right, Rich? I mean, that's that's got to be the key for, for a lot of this stuff. That's where they have the the, the kind of primo position. And yeah. that, that's why they're in all those studios, right? I mean, that's why they're Right. And what I'm hearing from people I know who have their carbon interface running successfully, that there is really nothing else that compares in terms of throughput and and convenience aspects of the workflow sure. that there's according to them and i haven't used one so i'm speaking on behalf of others according to them the workflow is unbeatable and that there is nothing right. else in the industry that's going to work like that if that's what you need to be able to do and if you can afford it because it's not cheap it doesn't come cheaply it can come cheaply, but then you don't get those advantages. You just end up with a normal mm. kind of... Well, you have um, a mix system. A mix system is a different thing to a tra tracking system. Is like that moment has got to be captured. You better get that right. right. Otherwise... Right. And the large you know, tracking system, as you as you point out, the large tracking system has to be able to work reliably across numerous interfaces, clocking properly together and everything else. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty strong market for them. And I really don't hope that that they sell something or do something with it because I like the idea of them selling it actually. I, more, I, you know. I have a thought. Okay. So their background is analytics and data software manipulation. So what would happen if, you know, something, the usage of their systems somehow gets pulled into some, you know, metadatabase somewhere so that there's some stuff that gets embedded and it gets tied in with the whole uh, ecosystem of, making music, embedding metadata, right. rights tracking, all of that kind of thing. I wonder if they're looking at a much bigger picture than we're even Ooh, kind of, you know, even thinking about. Or do you think that's just too much? I don't know. Well, I kind of like the circular idea mm. because um, TDM was time domain multiplexing, which came from telephone systems. So if it were to go back into some sort of data processing domain, you know, at the end of its life cycle, that would be some kind of bizarre, you know, circle. I mean, they, they run on Ethernet, yeah. don't they? Those carbon interfaces. So they That's run on Ethernet five, cables Cat anyway. Or whatever it is, right? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, again, I, I don't have any need for that sort of thing, but I think, and I think maybe, you know, yes, that, that presti those prestige studios who need those multiple tracking situations, you know, they, they don't have many other options. So, but there aren't all that many of them. They're just, you know, the ones there are are the big names, but as we know, studios are not in the ascendancy at the moment. So I'm not sure how how big a market that really is. I mean, how many Abbey Roads? How many how many places are there? What do you reckon? If we said, let's let's conservatively say there may be five thousand studios that use that kind of stuff, and that's probably a high a high number, you know. So I don't know whether the revenue is going to match up to the 1.6 billion or 1.4 billion that they're going to start need to recoup. Plus they pay a. Th they played a 20 or 30% premium on, I think the company was valued at 1.2, they played 1.4, so it was a 20 or 30% 
market share. So they've already got to make 30% plus whatever it is they want to make in terms of profit. And that will happen. Sure. Quite anyway, I, I guess that's a bit inside business and maybe not so interesting. Um, um okay let's go uh, well you know we're going from one end one extreme of the market what 1.4 billion to um well what is it it's um i'm trying to think it's it's 29 quid so uh let's see if i can find that one so that'll be this guy <laughs> stylophone beat hey, yes. hey it's a, a a sort of cheap and dirty drum machine with uh, a stylus on the piece of string like all the Debrecht stuff They're going back down to uh, to their roots which is kind of cheap and mass market music stuff. <laughs> oh rich rich is jamming up a storm there nice one I don't think it does that, unfortunately, Rich. I think that would no. that would be maybe considered false advertising. I would just like to have a little bit of a disclaimer here. Say, your if you buy this, it won't it won't do that. But it will give you uh, what does it do? It's got something like um, four four drum samples. Uh, they're not user samples, and four bass samples, and you could loop them up and have a bit of fun. But it's like literally cheap as chips. You know, really kind of very very affordable, and they've gone straight just for that lo-fi thing. And I'm sure they will do incredibly well. I mean, I didn't really look because they did have the Gen uh, R8, which is a quite a highly uh, uh, I think it was limited. They only made 500 of those, which is more of a sort of analog synth. It was very angry and loud. And then they did the Gen RX one, which is more like your traditional style of it. I just don't know how, you know, how, how much people are going to go for this. But it's a name that works. You look like you're handling something that may be from Dubrek there, Robbie. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is, I guess this was the first one the they ever thing? did. It's, it's a stylophone. It, it's, yeah, it's Dubrek. And I, I just remember I was... I was in HMV in Oxford Street so many years ago because that's not there anymore. I think it might be coming back. And there was a whole stack of them in the middle of the floor, uh, 1999. And, you know, it, it does the same thing. You know, you tap on there with a the stylus and there's um, there's a little memory in there and, and the ring around the edge does something as I can't remember what. Um, and there's a tuning button on the back. <laughs> uh, I haven't got any mm -hmm. batteries in it because yes. I haven't used it for years. But it's, it's not like it's a new thing. But, you know, this... You know, say it's a it's a stocking filler um, for the, the the studio geek in your life that you can't think you know you can't afford to buy what they really want, so you just buy one of those. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is so 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 right. That is so correct. Sure. Yeah, uh, that is that's hilarious. Uh, I suppose the he thing wanted is, an electron. Play... He got a xylophone. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thanks, Granny. That's really useful. Uh, it is kind of landfill. We I have suppose. an Octatrack at home. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it is kind of landfill. But I mean, obviously they're going pre-sales, and they will do a load of pre-sales, and then presumably they'll fill the container. The container will hopefully get make its way through the Suez Canal without any upsets, and we'll all get them in time for Christmas. But that's a very fragile. It's very fragile, but I'm sure it will do well. I don't know. I mean, I was stylophone big in the states when you were kind of a lad i mean because it was tv advertisers yeah. it was very, no it no, was it, it was huge it here wasn't. i know and i think this thing is a perfect christmas gift I'm, I'm like merry christmas like is the first comment i have is what a brilliant idea what a great time to release it what i what did you say 29 quid is that what you said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like literally it's you know, Merry Christmas could, all day you, long. I'm telling three you, three drinks thing, in a bar. <laughs> if they market it right, this could be like a great, great thing for Christmas. It, what a great gift! 
as Robbie says, hoping- for the people who wish you bought them something more expensive. Something else. <laughs> I really wish you bought me something else. That could be the show title or some derivative of that. I don't know. Uh, Paul, I'm hoping that this somehow can be subverted into something really useful. Sure. Im- imagine yeah. if it became the next TB303, uh, but at £29. Yeah, yeah, something be awesome? like that. <laughs> I, think, I think the bending potential is there. So um, I think we're going to see a few people buy them, open them up. See if you can add CV gate or something to it, and uh, and you know just go to town. But yeah, I I mm. think the um, I've had all three, all all two of the previous ones, not the expensive one. You know they did a proper the uh, Gen, Gen R eight, yeah, the R eight, yeah, R eight. But I had the the two cheap ones, and they were you know really fun to just to just play about with. So yeah, I think this is going to be a winner. And you know if if teenage engineering made it, it would have been a grand. Well, that's true. Or, or think about it: the monotron, the Korg, the, the monotron, the little and the little the, those little guys. They were fifty quid. They were a bit more expensive than that, weren't they? Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. But similar sort of, sort of fairly crappy <laughs> construction. But the thing is, I guess you buy. So first one to get hold of one and sample it and release it as a sample pack is basically yeah. That, that. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to pre-order one and I'm going to. I'll make sure that we put it out on our Discord, on our on our Patreon server as a free sample pack of eight, eight whole samples. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It seems like a lot of fun. And if you want to check it out, I mean, basically just head over to, uh, I think it's Debre- Oh, no, it's stylophone.com. I forget where it is. Uh, there's probably a web page for it. Uh, where is it? Uh, it's a stylophone beat. Let's see if I can find that. Oh, I've lost my mouse again. Here it comes. Too much, I've got too much screen acreage. Let's see, what does this one say? This is uh, <laughs> stylophone.com slash beat stylophone pre-order. Yeah, there you go. That's about as uh, as yeah as much as as much as you're going to get. Okay. Um, well, also, I suppose in in um, in in the kind of lo-fi sense, and I know this didn't really make it into the topics, but I'll throw it in there just because uh, I can. Uh, there was this guy, which is uh, the Sonicware Live and Lo-Fi Six. Which is a limited edition 500, uh, and if you want an authentic, go go, Rich. <laughs> if you want an authentic 6K sample engine, can't imagine why you would. Then go for it. Uh, this seems to be the thing. I'll let Rich play this out. Nice. <laughs> Nice one, Rich. Thank you very much. I don't know, uh, Robbie. I'll come to you first on this because uh, I think you toss this into the into the mix, and I know I did. the live and yeah. stuff. It's interesting. I, we, for some reason, we haven't reviewed the live and stuff, and I don't know why. It is it just always seems to be a kind of it misses somehow, uh, misses our schedules, mm. or we can't get you know. But you you've looked at some of their stuff, and um, yeah, I've, I've it's got, got better apart from it, this one. Uh, yeah. It got a lot better, didn't it? Because I think the OS to begin with was quite challenging, but now they're really starting to get their stuff together. Yeah, yeah, because the the Livens don't have a, a screen other than a like a three or four digit um, LED you know character display thing, um, so it is a bit menu divey without you know sort of being able to see what you shifty. do. So it does, yeah, it's a bit shifty, you know. And there's and then there's overlays. I think the first four of them had an overlay, so you'd put it into a mode and you put this overlay on, and of course the the problem is that you'd lose the overlay. Maybe it's just yeah, but. On the other hand, they are really, really great little machines that do uh, a very specific thing. So there's the FM one, there's the 8-bit one, um, 
and there's the the texture lab which is the granular sampling one which is fantastic uh, and then they brought out the lo-fi 12 which was a 16-bit 12 kilohertz so it had that really kind of crunchy sound that is yeah. a Act- thing for, you know, 900. For, yeah yeah exactly um and then this thing drops completely out of the blue and they're doing it limited 500 pieces and it's only available in perfect circuit in the US although they went oh, to dear. great lengths to say they will ship worldwide but i don't know what it's like in the rest of the world but here in the UK you buy something from perfect circuit it's 70 bucks for them to ship it to you in the UK in the first place oh, dear. then you've got your vat at 20% on top of that and then you've got your sales um, your sorry your customs duty, duty to go on top of that and all of a sudden it's kind of double the price and i'm terrible i'm a collector so i like to have like the whole thing i won't be able to get this one because it's just not financially financially viable um but Mm. they took out the the 12 bit um sorry the the 12 kilohertz they put in the six kilohertz and apparently they can't fit both in because a lot of people were saying why don't you just uh update the firmware on the 12 and have an option but apparently you just couldn't fit it in because it's a pretty small platform um they've also added this tube effect uh on the on the lo-fi 6 and the color scheme slightly different but essentially it's a lo-fi 12 with a couple of changes in it um but that said you know it is a a very limited market in terms of who Mm. would want to use this however um the guy chris dodsworth who does all of their demos uh lives over he lives in lincolnshire um he does as well as demos for various people he does um film for low budget movies and currently he's working on a low budget horror movie and he needed something that sounded like it was coming through an old transistor radio and this was this was just perfect It, it is it's that sound so you know if you have a very niche sort of um requirement this will fill it but i imagine that this will be something you buy you use you put on the shelf and you just drag it out on those one or two occasions that you might need it but they, they make some great stuff um i just th- i just question the the judgment of producing a limited thing in a single yeah. territory that makes it a oh. bit difficult for everybody else because it instantly generated uh, a bunch of typical internet bad feeling so which was a shame i suppose yeah i suppose oh, just a quick one here uh, di stanton says can i make this profi- the super chat can i make this provisional on nobody mentioning ai uh, it, <laughs> well, you could, <laughs> except i just now have mentioned ai so i suppose i, I do apologize but i'll take your money thanks rich are you uh, uh, is there is there a 6k um sampling um <laughs> situation you've been hankering after all this time that you can't do in a plugin that you might uh, you might feel you need this for I, I can't think of it's great for I, I suppose actually some things that square wave base waves sample down almost like chiptune stuff can sound really good in it but it has a very limited um yeah reach wouldn't you like it on a switch yeah in other words give me the exact same device with a switch that goes from hi-fi to this so that i have a choice Especially for th- what is it, three hundred, you know, dollars. Three hundred bucks. Yeah, two nine nine. Yeah. It talk. It, it's as Robbie points out. It's an extremely niche need. It is got a certain romance to it, and it actually looks like it might be fun to operate. Though they didn't really feature that in the video so much. But for for a product like this, I want to have fun operating it. So I want to see that it's fun to operate. Assuming that it is, I can sort of see it again as a as the three hundred dollar Christmas gift version of what we just talked about for twenty nine <laughs> quid. But but um, I would I can't I just would like a switch that makes it go hi fi, 
Like, even right. if it just removes filters or whatever, but give me this sound on a switch. Don't make me marry this thing for 300 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just use the word lomance, which I... Did I say lomance? Lomance, I just thought that was a great... It's like rom the yeah. romantic notion of lo-fi. I just thought that's absolute genius. Yeah. If you no, meant I didn't to say, say it. that deliberately, but... Oh, well, <laughs> it just comes out of you, Rich. You can't help yourself. I'll take He's it. He's like the zeitgeist. <laughs> Nice one, Rick. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm sensing, uh, Paulie, that this <laughs> you may have pre-ordered. I have, I haven't pre-ordered actually, but it was tempting because I love the color. I love the six kilohertz. Mind you, by the way, six kilohertz is nothing really. If you want to totally destroy your audio. Uh, sample into one of these <laughs> <laughs> at, at like one bit. It's like one <laughs> bit audio and it modulates it through like a, a PC speaker sound and it just totally dish. I'll send audio later. It totally destroys anything. But yeah, um, I'm tempted. The thing is with these, um, with these uh, devices is the kind of experimentation, just bunging a sample in and messing with it. Do you know what I mean? It's not the kind of sampler you'll you'll make spend ages making pristine multi-sample banks for it's something that you will um just use for a bit of inspiration and stuff like that so i think it'll it'll sell well like the one before mm. it and uh yeah i i do like six kilohertz crunch my favorite sort of thing is is around 16 kilohertz though that's my sweet spot that's that's most of my meager music has right. done at 16 to 28 kilohertz so this is a bit lo-fi but i think it'd still be really cool to have well back in the yeah. day when i was doing sound mm -hmm. for cd roms uh we would do 8-bit yes. 22 8-bit 22 was hi-fi and then 8-bit uh, <laughs> yes. 11 was the one and that's what you, they used to Off. use for kind of very bad uh, answer phone uh, and, and this is even lower than that but surely yeah. isn't there a possibility couldn't you just make a box that has like an in and then an audio out that's just got a crappy d2a <laughs> on it and you sure. so it could do it real sure time there are. surely that there must be something mm. that it would be cheaper than this yeah, there are there are quite a few um, solutions if you just want like a a, a downsampling DAC. Mm, um, downsampling maybe, DAC. Maybe that sounds I like should... a yoga position. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe I should uh, do a video on on how to like scuff up your audio. Yeah, uh, sounds like a great a, idea. A different the great know, thing with the, different the... approaches. The great thing with the Livens is, is they are a little groove box. You know, yeah, you can, yeah, that's you can true. sit with yes. that and you can put things to and create a nice little thing, which you can then spit out, you know, if you want to, um, as an audio track on, on something else. They're, they're just great fun tools. And I also think that, um, and I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the whole lo-fi thing is is a is a bit popular in in japan and the far east they they which is and given that sonicware are japanese that um they're sort of playing to that market maybe but um it's fun you know so i've got the lo-fi 12 and messed around with it and yeah it's kind of nice and you know you do you remember um uh Jyoti mishra who did um white town your woman which you know was a massive number one single and the entire vocal was that kind of lo-fi radio telephone type sound and it mm. fit and it, it works really well. And I, I heard it the other day for the first time in ages and I still thought, what a great, great song that is. Um, and it, it did it all in his bedroom and I don't know how he got that lo-fi sound. Obviously it wasn't one of these, but uh, it has a, maybe it has a quality mm. that, you know, it's not consistently used, but when it is and it's done well, it sounds nice. 
Yeah, well, no, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, so yeah, do check it out. Um, that's the Liven uh, Lo-Fi 6, which is a derivative of the Lo-Fi 12. Powerful four-track sequencer, 12 types of effects, tube mode, and ultimate retro 6K hertz sampling. If you're in the UK, uh, in the UK, might be a bit expensive, but in the US, uh, order through, uh, I think Perfect Circuit are, are, are probably importing a container of them. Uh, once again, we do hope that we uh, that that Suez Canal is going to have a lot of pressure on it come in, come Christmas time. I think they've got to make sure they've been dredging it well, and there's uh, there's they've, they've made it wide enough so that boats don't block it. So a great documentary about the Ever Given actually how that happened, and it was quite fascinating. Cool. And mm -hmm. it's terrifying what that happened. Yeah. Anyway, that's really got nothing to do with anything. Well, I suppose it is tech, music <laughs> tech in a way, because I bet you there was some music tech held up in that queue of containers that yeah. was waiting to get through that we that, that meant I mean, they, they were focusing on stuff like kitchen equipment. But I would love for them to have talked to a synthesizer manufacturer and say, yes, we have a whole <laughs> container full of Volkers. Um, yeah, but anyway, they didn't. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to get a question. I mean, look, th there's another elephant in the room, which I know wasn't in the topics, but uh, um, a certain German um, or a Philippine-based uh, manufacturer, Behringer, have been doing a lot of contentious um, social shit posting, frankly, I think would be fair to say, kind of upsetting lots of people. And it seems oh, to be really? working really great wonders. Um, so it seems to be working wonders. But, I mean, but there's been a number of things. And, I, and, and so this is a question uh, that I'm going to attribute to Nick Howes because uh, he basically put, answered it in the question. Thank you very much to this. So this is the question. So uh, uh, recently online, uh, comments recently online seem to think the influencer are not realistically reviewing products after being uh, snide about some manufacturers or too positive on some. This has been long with the criticism and magazines with advertisements. What's the panel's thoughts? Uh, I should qualify this because yeah. essentially Behringer basically said none of us lot will review their stuff because we don't give it to them for free. Um, from my point of view, and Luke Pop said, and, and they mentioned Luke Pop by name, I said, uh, he, he basically posted a thing saying, no, it's got nothing to do with it. It's the fact that your practices I don't agree with, which is perfectly entitled. I charted in and said, yes, I feel much the same. And I do feel a little bit uncomfortable giving them more publicity because it works a treat. They're, they're really getting it out there. But I suppose if we pull it back from them and maybe bring it more into uh, the fact that online, you know, reviews in general, you know, there's, it's such a complicated thing. I mean, how do you sort of... How do you draw the line between, uh, well, I do this for a living or I'm just doing it for fun or somebody sent me this for this? I don't really know what the question is. Um, this has been a long time criticism of, of, of things with advertising bias. I mean, yeah, everything's like that, I suppose that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, I'm going to put you on the spot because mm. you're involved in publishing and you know what, you know, the, the dance that's done. It's, just, it's a complicated thing yeah. um, and not that, all that straightforward. No, um, I mean... It I'm not saying that there aren't publications either online or in print that don't sorry that, that do or don't or do insist on you taking out some advertising in exchange for a favorable review. I've never come across that. You know, I I work for um Sound on Sound and, and Gear News and it's never a thing there. Um in fact I had a conversation with uh, an owner of a, a a printed publication, a very esteemed printed publication, who said, we'd love to review their stuff. We don't require any advertising. They just refuse to send it to us because it's not the what you know, it's not what they do. And that is the, you know, the thing that they that they they want to go at it at a different angle. And you know, fair fair play, do it. They you know they did the whole thing at NAM, didn't they, a few years ago. Instead of being at NAM, they did an event like 50 miles away. Fine, if that's what you want to do and it works for you, excellent. But don't 
don't throw around accusations, uh, very broad accusations at the the industry. Um, you know, this industry has got some incredibly knowledgeable people like yourself, Nick. You've got people like Robin Vincent, Gordon Reed at Sound on Sound, and a whole bunch of other people who are have impeccable integrity. Do not do anything. Mm for money or backhanders or advertising or anything like that, their, their views are well-respected and trusted. <clears throat> and if you want a, a balanced review from someone, then there's plenty of places out there. The, the whole thing about Behringer um, saying that, you know, they'd have to pay or they'd have to take out advertising to get a review is, is quite frankly rubbish for want of not using um, extreme extremes. It is just rubbish. Yeah. I, well, I, um, so, yeah. I suppose I wonder then, you know, should we be, rather than expecting manufacturers sending us stuff, we should just buy it? I mean, the problem is, is you can't often buy it. You're being asked to review something no. that's not generally released, so it tends to be sent to you. I don't care whether or not, you know, I don't want to keep the stuff. I mean, I've got enough synthesizers here. I don't need the gear. It's not it's not a motive for our sort of thing. Some to, once in a while, I'll go, oh, I'd really like to buy that. I, I loved it so much. I, I'd like to keep it around. Sometimes it, you might see things that have been here for ages. Today, I've just boxed up the drum log and the uh, Volker FM2. I mean, I've had the I've had the Volker FM2 for what two years, <laughs> and it's mm. been sitting here waiting for them to ask for it back. It's gone back, you know. It goes back, but you've probably seen it on the shelf, thinking, "Oh, I bet you got that for nothing." But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I suppose yeah. in a perfect world, we would all be just doing it for our own basis. But then, how do we, as entities, make money it's through advertising and through those sort of things? So, if nobody, if if everybody took the same approach, then there would be no media at all because yeah. somebody, you know, or you, or the money would all be made. In endless ads that are on, uh, you know, interrupting your YouTube videos or whatever. So there is, it, it's complicated, and they're playing to the gallery a little bit, the conspiracy theorists, and they're doing it very well, and it was working. But it, it you know, it's but, not that straightforward, and it really, but you know, you, it, it's, you know this better sorry. than anyone else, it because you've been doing this for a long, long time. That you do um, reviews of, of gear that, uh, and everybody respects what you do, and they know that you know what. What you say is what you feel. You've you've reviewed something very honestly. Yeah, you know, you're you are uh, impeccable yeah. in your integrity. Yeah, but you know, you, but you do do that. You are highly respected. Everybody says I'm going to wait for the Sonic State review on that on whatever, um, and you do that because it draws people to your site, whether it's the YouTube page or whether it's the the Sonic State website, and you you have to draw people to your site to look at the adverts. But you don't have to do the, the good review to get people to. It's. No. It's kind of a chain of events, yeah, and it's, it, you, it is you have intense. to be a respected website to draw in the audience who will then view your advertising and hopefully generate you some revenue so you can then carry on doing what you're doing. And unfortunately, the, the other thing that uh, it comes with this is if somebody sends me a product to review, and I'm sure you're the same as well, and I've had conversations with others and they agree, if somebody sends you a product and you absolutely love that product, what are you yeah. going to do? You can't not be enthusiastic about it. So, uh, you know, I've been called a shill for so many other companies over the years because they've sent me stuff. I really enjoy it, and I think it's great. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to say, well, well, you know, it was all right. I, I, so, uh, sure. and if something's bad, <laughs> I know you you definitely do this. If something, if somebody sends you something and it's bad, you think, oh, my God, I can't use this. You You speak to them and say, look, you've sent me this. I can't get this to work. It's not doing very well, blah, blah, blah. 
is that a problem with the firmware? Is it a problem with the design? Tell me. Yeah. Oh, and a lot of the time they'll come back to you and say, yeah, look, it's a bug. We know we're fixing it. So you'll work around that. You'll work with them so that when you do the review, it's as honest as possible. And, you know, I've reviewed things unfavorably. I won't mention names, but that company didn't send, ever send me anything again. So I, either they didn't, you know, thought I was, you know, not worthy of, of, of reviewing their stuff or they just didn't like what I said about it. Yeah, people get, but also knows? the thing is, is this business is, and most businesses are built on relationships. And if you make that relationship really yeah. difficult by telling by telling the wider public that you're all shills and um, and basically crooks, <laughs> then yeah. then you don't have a very good relationship <laughs> with that company, right? So how do you how do you fix that? You know, I mean, I've, I've spoken to, I will let other people come in and yeah. say, but, uh, I spoke to Behringer, uh, you know, a few a couple of years ago, and I spoke to the guy in the UK. I forget the, guy, the guy's name. And he said, "Oh, I'd love to send." And it's like, well, the problem is, mate, I can't. You know, I don't feel like I really want to be involved because you've done mm. all of these things to and and done some pretty bad stuff. And if yeah. I do that, then I'm sort of forgiving it and saying, "Oh, that's fine," because I just want to review the latest synth from you. And I don't feel that way. I want to try. So it is complicated, but it, I can see it looks like we're punishing them, but they've made. They've made it very different. They make it's it's a company with a face that's hard to like, shall we say? You know, it's that it's that sort of scenario. Anyway, sorry, Paulie, I'll bring you in now. Hello. <laughs> so um, it's interesting for me at the moment because I am a person just starting their kind of internet famous career, <laughs> and um, and I've got my first ever piece of equipment to review. You know, this lovely Boss oh, GM eight hundred. Yep. And essentially, you know, it was it was quite thrilling going through the whole, you know, speaking to to Roland Bosses UK European manager and them saying, We'll send you this and I was going, you know, I was really uh having an out of body experience. I was like, This is super exciting. Um so but it is kind of terrifying, you know, because my I've always already spotted a few things with it that are As slightly you lacking yeah. and you will point them you know point just them by reading yeah. through the spec and asking them too many questions <laughs> in email <laughs> does it do this this and this i think there are some areas where firmware will improve it so i'm going to bring them up um but i'm gonna you know be fair and uh essentially i already know that the zencore engine sounds well, let's not say objectively good. It sounds good to me, you know, because I'm used to the old JV um, and XV series. So I know that Zencor is something that, that I dig. So I think I'll give it a generally favorable review. But yeah, it is, it is going to be the kind of thing where are people going to think I'm being too unfair? Are people going to think I'm being too, you know... Um, uh, favorable, and uh, I well, guess it, it's just something I'll have to feel out after yeah, each it's, one. It's it's a dance. It's a dance to a degree. I mean, I'm not one yes. for for saying I think this is absolutely terrible, and it's you know I I tried I, I try and use more uh, you know just general language. I don't try anyway. Yes. Sorry, Rich. I know this is probably not your normal kind of uh, uh, topic, but yeah, it's it's really. It's kind of they're making it so it, they bring. It's I can't address to myself to Behringer because I haven't seen any of the communications that have been yeah, described. Yeah, so I, I don't know anything about that. But I do know that your reviews are really, really well balanced, and I really enjoy them, and they're very informative, and they don't tend to take a strong position on something. And I think I've even seen situations where 
And I think this is the fair thing to do. If you're reviewing a product and you really don't like it or don't like something about it, you should go to that company and say, I'm reviewing your product and I really don't like this thing about it. What do you have to say about that? I mean, how can I exactly how can I not mm. be unfair to you without lying to the public about what I think about this thing? Do you agree with me that it doesn't really work very well in this way? Or do you stand by what you're going to do? In which case, I'll be as fair as possible. You know, so there's a conversation to be had as a professional where you're about to go online and tell people that this thing is a piece of, you know, and, and yeah. you know, the, and they deserve a chance at the very least to respond or to try to make it better. Well, and there's also the situation is like, I mean, I don't want to spend my time reviewing things that I think are rubbish. I mean, it's just it's a miserable thing to do, you know, and then have to think, you know, because you can't if you can't get enthusiastic about something, you can't find any good in it or it's broken or it doesn't work very well. It's very disappointing, and especially if you've got all the way down the line and you're into filming, and then you find this one thing that you—it's on the list. I'm going to check this out, and you check it, and you go, "Oh my God, that's that's terrible." I've been in that situation a couple of times when I've just gone, "I can't review this without basically completely trashing it because you know there's a—it's not very good." So I—I I, I suppose I'm guilty to filtering to that degree because I would rather not post that review. I'd rather not bother to put the effort in than just say it's terrible it's terrible unlike you know sort of 80s music reviewers in the uh, in the nme and whatever who made an art form out of being snidey and snarky and stuff which is fine i mean it's no it's just not the way i like to do things you know right that's why i think giving them the option to respond in advance of the publication is is a professional way of dealing with it because then they know you don't like this they know you're going to say you don't like it if they stand by it then they stand by it and that's their business but if when you don't tell them and it looks like a hit piece and then it's you know yeah. did we give you the gear or whatever i don't even know what this conversation is about with regards to behringer do they not want to send people gear for review is that the issue well, they say they won't send people. They say that people won't review their gear because it's not sent for free. They made a statement about it. And then in the two lines later, they say, we will send free gear to people who are demonstrating it or tutor. And it's like, well, what's the bloody difference? You know, this, yeah. it's, it's the same thing. You've, But ultimately... Are they afraid they're not going to get their $300 synthesizer back? I, I don't is know. that really the problem? Maybe <laughs> it's a principle. Um, the thing is, a three hundred dollar synthesizer is not a three hundred dollar synthesizer to that company, whoever the company might be. It's one hundred and fifty or it's a hundred dollar. And when you weigh up the cost, <laughs> of, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and when you weigh up the cost of advertising against sending a free piece of gear to a reviewer somewhere, it's way cheaper to do that. You know, word of mouth marketing is is a well established thing. And the, the reason companies love it is because it's way cheaper than getting an ad company to put a big campaign together to go into print and online, et cetera, to, to plug your company when you can send it to an enthusiastic person, you know, like Nick or Paulie, and who can do a video on it and people trust their point of view and they do it. And I also think that, you know, not reviewing something that you really have a problem with is, mm. is, is, is better than actually giving it a, a really bad review because I think, you know, if Nick doesn't review something um, that I would have expected him to review, chances yes. are he's probably had it and doesn't like it. And so I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, there's, there's nothing from Nick. I'll take that as read, you know, that uh, maybe this isn't quite uh, what it ought well, to be. Well, maybe I just, you, you know, know, I can't review everything. You, I mean, I'm not, I, I, yeah. No, exactly. No, yeah. That, 
There are plenty of other people who but do si- great work out there. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. So it's silence. It can be silence can be a powerful thing. You know, just saying nothing is sometimes more powerful than being nasty. You know, or, or whatever. So yeah. it's like you say, it's a, it's a thin line, um, and you know, we, we tread it, and uh, we try and be as as honest uh, as possible and as uh, faithful to our readership as possible. Um, and so I can only yes. speak from my 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 corner that I have never worked for anyone who is either uh, paid for an uh, an advert or sorry, paid for review favorable or otherwise, or who has, you know, there's been some sort of contract involved. It's like, Mm. here's the gear, go, go ahead and review it. And the the reason they send it to you is that they probably know that you, you are going to be quite objective about it. So, well, I should also point out, I mean, we don't charge ever for editorial stuff. I mean, we do charge for product presentations. You know, if you want to come here and show us your yes. stuff in our studio, we charge for those. We charge for sponsored videos, and we say that they're sponsored videos. And that's something that I think yeah. a, a lot of this stuff came up a couple of years ago where it wasn't very transparent. And I, I hold my hands up and say, yeah, we didn't, but we, I don't think there was really a, a we knew. Now, you know, anything, if there's been any kind of, you know, money changing hands or agreement it's, it's ticked it says i'm you know and that's t- so as much as we can do in that situation i mean aside from that you know we're all tr- which i guess we're trying to make a living you know we're not a non-profit organization much yeah. as Berenger like to think that they are but they're not they're a two billion dollar company with uh, many many employees so uh, let's knock that one on there anyway Thanks, Nick. You really, <laughs> you really gave us a, a lot to talk about. But I, 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 I suppose the thing is, is I, fe- I felt very uncomfortable about being silent about it. But I don't want to have, I don't want to use Behringer's Facebook comments or anything to, 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 for this to happen so that they get a load more publicity it. out of it. It's not. I'm trying not to amplify. I just, I feel like I have to somehow defend myself, or we do, you know, because of the allegations that are thrown around. I th- and I think they're very, very. Um, w- considered you know i think it's been done and it's working for them and that's that's fine but i do, i choose not to deal with that if i can't if I, i'd rather just not deal with a company that's like sure. that if possible and that may change in the future i'm not saying they make bad gear they make great stuff and it's very affordable and the whole democratization of stuff is great they also do some terrible things too but um, you know they they somehow get away with all of that which is is fine as well i'm not i'm not like a on a soapbox about it i just wanted to put my position on so maybe we should uh, consider um shutting shutting this down yes. and getting back onto happier <laughs> days and happier times but thank you very much everybody i know robbie what's next for you i guess you've got a show coming up on friday um and show, you're yeah. reviewing got anything in review review land uh show on friday yeah um <laughs> all berenger gear oh no i have got i've no i've got a um i've got a thing i it's too far it's it's a it's a guitar pedal thing but it's for ableton live and it's for triggering loops uh so there's multiple pedal oh, yeah, things you showed on it there. Last time. actually somebody somebody asked yeah. what that was called what's it called hang on it's called looper for live i believe um looper for live yeah, it's this thing. Which, yeah, Looper for Live Mark Three. I think it's, there's there's been a Mark One and Two, obviously. No, nice. um, okay. but you just connect that via USB, and then you can fire off um, four different loops off the bottom. You can set set off scenes and can flick through scenes and do all that kind right, of stuff. So it's a foot controller, the, uh, LCD screen. Yeah. Right. So a foot controller for for looping uh, with with Ableton Live, and um, but again, they they approached us and said, "Would you like to do a review of this?" And um, the guitarist guys were like, mm, "It's not really because it's Ableton." And I was like, "I'm fairly new to Ableton, but hey, you know, him for a penny." 
So yeah, I've got that to look at. So I'm hopefully going to do that. And then I'm just writing seminars for the, well, the seminar for SynthFest in October, October 7th. So 40 Sweet. years of the DX7. Um, but I'll be wow. taking the, what they call the, the YCAMS rig, which is the TX816, oh, yes. the QX1, and the RX11, and demonstrating how in 1984 one person could make you know multi-track music with just these three boxes, which was rather cool. So, yeah, um, and taking some time off. So, yeah. Sweet. Cool. Well, that sounds good. Uh, Paulie, what's uh, next for you? I have been editing a real deep dive uh, look into the treasures of the Roland V-Synth. You know, because mm. I've, I've talked about it that synth regularly on Sonic State. People are probably sick of hearing about the V-Synth. So I thought, let's do a video. And I think it will be probably at least Tong just going through all the different oscillator types and and stuff like that accompanied with various noir videos of you know me being projected on a building dancing and stuff like that you know lots of pink Perfect. light it's gonna well, look that sounds cool. like the ideal ideal <laughs> video ideal uh, magical synth adventure video perfect definitely uh, look forward to that um okay and um i i guess you've got a bit of time off Are you back on the road again soon and you know back back into the into the fray as it were back playing yeah we leave again monday and uh, wow, we, play okay. on, we play on Tuesday in California, and and then it begins again. Wow, brilliant! Well, it's been lovely to have you, Rich. It's a, it's a far too um, irregular occurrence when you're working like this, but uh, I totally get it. And uh, you know, have a great time while you're on the road, and uh, and hopefully we'll get to see each other in person sometime soon. I do hope so. I hope so too. And thanks. So that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody, very much. Uh, also, thanks to all the chatties, all the people in the chat room, Geosynth, Paul LeBlanc, even SynthPunk, who seems to cause a scene wherever he goes, but I think he knows what he's doing. So uh, that's it for this time. We'll see you all uh, next, well, uh, next week. See you later. Bye-bye.